Grab yourself a Bailey's and hot chocolate and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Justice. Jack Justice. I'm a private detective, and in my experience that means one thing. Trouble. It means it for me, and if you happen to be careless enough to get within a hundred feet of me, chances are good that it means it for you, too. Consider this fair warning. You're not likely to get another. It's the one thing I know almost as well as I know fine coffee, fedoras, and light jazz musical underscorings. Those who know me well might also be tempted to add to that list a certain almost scholarly fascination with the hidden wisdom to be found in shop-worn clichés and old wives' tales. And it is true that there is a certain savage clarity to be found in almost everything that your great Aunt Eileen used to say, if only you had been listening. It often helps to cut through the clutter that is to be found when you live the sort of life in which everyone, and I mean everyone, lies to you professionally, and then expects you to ferret out the truth. Or at least as much of the truth as they happen to find personally convenient. It's the sort of job that makes you either a cynic or a drunk. And since I've been both of those at one point or another long before the state issued me a private investigator's license, I elected to add Cracker Barrel Philosopher to the mix. It helped to break up the day. All of this is at least somewhat beside the point, though it helps to provide some context for the observation that some folks say that home is where the heart is. I had always found that to be true enough, and never truer than it was right now, as what passed for my heart was firmly lodged within a small white bungalow where I happened to reside these days with a young lady who had recently elected to become Mrs. Jack Justice, though she almost never let me call her that. It was true, but I felt almost nothing for the bungalow itself, and on those occasions when I was there and Dot was not, if you'll forgive the meterless rhyme, that feeling of home was missing. A distinct difference between house and home that proved the point whenever my home happened to be off working a late shift at the hospital. But all in all, I couldn't complain. It was a distinctly different time for me than the previous forever or so had been, when my heart and my home were always somewhere far away, somewhere that probably didn't exist anymore, and I was unlikely to return to even if it did I don't know exactly what it was about Sheriff Ted Barnett or his mission that made me think about that, except that I kind of did. It doesn't matter, really. What matters was that there was 220 pounds of strapping small-town lawman sitting in the client chair, and the girl detective looked about ready to pop her buttons with enthusiasm. I thought I'd better keep her to the plot before the network censors stepped in and did it for me. Here's your coffee, Sheriff. Well, that's mighty nice of you, Miss Dixon. Trixie, please. Well, and for that as well, I am much obliged. And I might say you brew a fine cup. Oh, that's the hat rack's job. I'm sorry? He's the domesticated half of the equation. I run a little more wild. Oh, yes? Uh, What does that mean? It means she brews dishwater and then burns it, so she isn't allowed to touch the pot. You still here? Tragic, but true. Weren't you going to run out and get me a pack of cigarettes? I was going to, yes. 
But then I remembered that you don't smoke. I've been thinking about starting. I hear good things. Uh, have I come at a bad time? Your timing is perfect. Everything is perfect. Why don't you start at the beginning? Well, I... Like what, for instance? Like what brings you to our door with a missing persons case. I, I was under the impression this was the sort of thing that you do. Sure we do. We do just about everything. Mm, that's true, actually. Down, girl. Lots of folks have come to our door looking for someone, Sheriff Barnett. But usually they're not wearing a uniform, and their interest is less than entirely official. Any particular reason why you're here instead of at one police plaza? Well, you happen to be right, Mr. Justice. Uh, that's just where I did start. Only trouble is, uh, big city police don't have much time even for another cop. Not when there isn't technically a crime at hand. And by isn't technically you mean... Isn't at all. You have our attention. You already had mine. The truth of the matter is, I wouldn't have known where to start if it hadn't been for one fella, uh, Lieutenant Sabian. I guess he knows you pretty well. Sabian's giving us bird dogs now? Well, not exactly. He described the pair of you in some detail, uh, said a lot of good things, but strung it together with a powerful mess of curse words. I couldn't rightly decide what he thought of you beyond the fact that you could help... And he probably couldn't. So your missing person is a runaway, and I'm guessing that she's both young and a she. Well, how exactly did you know all that? Sabian has a father complex, on account of him being a father. They're also very domesticated. He makes it work for him. They know it on the street. You hurt girls, sooner or later Sabian is going to hurt you, and he's going to do it good. I knew I liked that boy. Yeah, we do too, but if you tell him, we'll deny it vigorously. Still don't see why the cops couldn't help you with a runaway girl. Because... Technically, she ain't entirely a girl. You mean she's part something else? Which part? He means she's 18, Trixie. Oh, thank God. Does anyone else need a drink? Uh, well, Three I... Three here. See, Sheriff, the problem with this is that technically, an 18-year-old girl has a legal right to get lost if she wants to. And that's why I ain't entirely here as a lawman. You're wearing the uniform. Well, it was clean. And it looks good. Both excellent points. But you'd still like to be persuaded that finding her is the right thing to do. I'd just like the truth. If the truth happens to be persuasive, that'd be just fine. Fair enough. I got a picture of the girl here somewhere. Peggy Jensen. Turned 18 about two months ago. Here she is. Pretty girl. Too pretty to last long out here on her own. What makes you say that? I've been to the city more than once, Miss Dixon. Peggy Jensen hasn't. I have a general idea of what can happen to a girl like that. It can happen pretty fast, too. How long she been gone? Three weeks. Took some time to put it together, I'm sorry to say. Her family was quiet about it at first. Figured she was hiding out and she'd be back when she got hungry. And by the time they came to you, the trail was cold. It was never warm. Bert Jensen, the girl's father, was a good man, friend of mine. He died about a year, year and a half ago. The family ain't been right since. Financial trouble? No more than anybody else, I guess. Uh, they own the home. There was the insurance. Peggy's mother works. No, they're all right like that. But when something like that happens, sometimes it brings folks closer together, and sometimes it breaks them apart. It broke the Jensen's. Don't exactly know why. Nerves get raw. Something's done. Something gets said. Something little, maybe, but it's said, and it can't get taken back. Maybe something gets said back. Maybe it escalates, and nobody has the sense to back down while it's still an option. Or maybe nobody says anything, and the place just grows cold till it isn't anybody's home anymore. It happens. Sure, it happens. There anything more to it than that? Well, like what? Any violence? No, nothing like that. Mother got a new boyfriend that Peggy Jensen might want to get the hell away from? No, she don't. 
The girl knows people here in town? No. Well, I expect she knows a few by now, but none prior to this, as far as I can tell. Did I say something interesting? Because the two of you had kind of a look there, and that's the sort of thing the county pays me to notice. A girl who's been told all her life that she's pretty might start to wonder if she's Lana Turner pretty. But then she'd go to Hollywood or possibly New York, where crushing dreams is kind of a cottage industry. A small-town girl out to see the world doesn't usually run to the loving embrace of our charming little burg, Sheriff. Not without a reason. Friends, family, a fella, something. We aren't even the closest city on the map, so why here? I appreciate your befuddlement. Uh, This is part and parcel of exactly why it took me all this time to get here. The girl hitched a lift into Clearville, and Clearville's where the bus station is. Not a lot of people remembered her there, which led me to thinking maybe she wasn't there all that long. We were the first bus out of there, weren't we? Yes, sir. You were at that. So this was a really well-constructed plan. Seems like. Anyway, I can't drive all over the country on a hunch, so I had to wait for the driver that came to town that night to pass back through. Clairville P.D. showed him Peggy's picture. He rode her in, all right. Sat in the front, by the door, looked out the window, kind of sad and quiet the whole ways. Nobody at the station here saw her, or if they did, they looked right at her and didn't think nothing of it and don't recall. I got her as far as the station, and then she drops clean off the map. Almost like that's what she was trying to do. Or like I don't know the city at all and can't read the map proper. Well, that's what we're here for. We do have some standard approaches in cases like this, and they often get us results. None of them come across like brain surgery, but they should help us cut to the happy ending. The happiness of the ending has not entirely been established just yet. Are we talking about the same thing? Apparently not. I don't think I follow you, Mr. Justice. I'm asking what your intentions are, Sheriff. We can find Peggy Jensen if there's anything left to be found. But what then? The law says that she's old enough to choose, and I'm not going to roll her up in a carpet and throw her in the trunk of your car. So what's your plan? I don't rightly know, Mr. Justice. I know what I hope. I'll take that. I hope she's alive and in one piece. As much as I don't wish her ill, I hope she's had a miserable time and is a little scared and wishes that somebody would appear out of the blue to tell her that it's all right and that no one is mad at her and no one cares about what was said and by whom and by the way would she happen to like a ride back to her mama's house. That's a home run. And a solid double would be... Persuade her to call her mama and hope they work it out themselves. And if they don't? Well, then I've done what I can. We get thirty-nine ninety-five a day plus expenses. Sweetwater County ought to be good for a few days' worth of help, though they'd appreciate it if the expenses could be kept uh, uncreative. Well, we don't usually, but we could make an exception in a good cause. Sorry, one point. We are employed to find your missing girl, not to help you look. No, sir. I'm a trained lawman, and I know the girl to boot. I'm not sitting in the hotel waiting for a report. I don't need to run the show. But I'm in it. There are a few problems with that. Yes, sir? Chiefly, should our investigation discover the girl, it makes it awkward to determine if we are actually going to tell you if she's been found, if you happen to be standing right there. Why in tarnation would you not want to tell me? Depends on what the girl says. She has a right to stay lost. Well, what about her mama's rights? Or mine to see you do the job you were paid for? You can't come with us, Sheriff. Make yourself comfortable for a moment, Sheriff Ted. There's an unrelated matter that I've just remembered that my associate and I need to discuss in the hall. What? You. Hall. Now. Yes, ma'am. Can I help you with something? Yes, you could. That would be nice. Huh? You could help me out here, genius, just a little. You should really try making sense sometime. Just help. 
me out. Oh, what do you want me to tell Andy to tell Susie to tell Ted that you like him? I am perfectly capable of handling the particulars, but Deputy Ah Shucks in there seems a little slow picking up his cues, and it might be difficult to seal the deal if he isn't. Around. I can't believe we're having this conversation. I'm lightly horrified myself, but would you deny a starving man a big steak dinner? Trixie, just because you have not actually eaten yet this morning does not make you a starving man. Who says I'm not the steak dinner? Admit you're the starving man, or I send him back to Dogpatch right now. All right, I'm the starving man. And if Sheriff Ted goes back to the charming town of wherever the hell he comes from without having been well and truly shown the sights of our good city, I will kill you so many times that you will, quite simply, be dead. You're serious about this, aren't you, Jack? All right, all right. Everything okay? Upon the advice of my partner, I guess we can agree to your terms, Sheriff. Well, that's fine. With one proviso, Jack. If you're standing right there and I found out I've been lied to, I don't have a lot of options but to shoot you. Yeah, well, that's a little extreme to be sure, but I can see how you might be inclined to feel that way. What's that? I think he means that's tough but fair. And so we set upon the first stage of our great quest to find whoever it was we were looking for. I'm sorry, that's not fair. Somewhere out in the great big bad, there was a corn-fed ingenue that needed rescuing, and we set about our task with seriousness and dedication. Our standard motors operandi was to head for the place where the person became missing, look around, and try and guess what happened next. It usually turned into a game of walk round and round the bus or train station until we accidentally discover something. But this was the part of the process where we got to pretend to be clever. Peggy Jensen's bus had pulled in at 11:15 in the morning, which complicated things. If she'd got in late at night, or if it was winter or raining heavy. She would have gone to ground as close to the station as she could, and as a result, either stayed there or at least left some trail, met some people, something we could track, something we could trace. When your bus gets in before noon, your first thought is not necessarily shelter; it widens the radius of your probable first stop. She didn't know the lay of the land and was unlikely to take a taxi, and she was carrying a suitcase, and she wouldn't have wanted to do that for long. Those were our best friends, so we started moving east because it was slightly downhill, and there were some flowers planted along the street that might have looked inviting to Miss Jensen. And we started asking questions. Our investigation was hampered by two things. We usually like to divide and conquer so as to cover more ground and not see each other quite so much. But Sheriff Ted was reluctant to let Squarejaw out of his sight in case he found something and elected to keep it to himself. And I was loath to part with Sheriff Ted for reasons that will remain obvious. The other problem was Ted's uniform, which, while it did not pass for our own boys in blue, was still a lawman's fairy princess costume, and people tend to hate that. We were going to have to have that off him, but fortunately, that was also part of my plan. As for my own mission, it was bogged down in a similar quagmire. Jack was a large, rumpled third wheel everywhere we went, but by now I could work around that. Trouble was, as far as he was concerned, Sheriff Ted was looking for a lost child, and that was like a bucket of cold water over the proceedings. But as the first day of our exercises came to a grim and wholly unsatisfactory conclusion, we were cheered slightly by the quiet faith that everything would look brighter after intermission. <laughs> You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com.
Why, Sheriff Ted. <laughs> Good morning, Trixie. You're out of uniform. I am, but I got the distinct impression that it was getting in the way yesterday. I'm not going to argue with that. Are you even fresh at 7 o'clock in the morning? Oh, hallelujah, he actually noticed. Noticed. Young lady, I am rustic, not slow. Good to know. A little awkward with Mr. Justice around, that's all. I wouldn't want him to get the wrong idea. It's okay. All of Jack's ideas are wrong. Anyhow, I like you in a suit. Thank you. Uh, maybe blend in better. It's a funny thing. Back in Sweetwater, there are folks that don't like a lawman much either. But they all know that I am one, no matter what I'm wearing. But now I feel kind of... Uh... Undercover. <laughs> That's it? It is a giddy little thrill, or is that just me? Where in thunder do you get the energy from? A question you will ask yourself more than once before this day is done. I promise you. We don't have girls like you in Sweetwater. Oh, they don't have girls like me anywhere. And the banter? Wish I could say it was all natural, but at least some of it came out of the coffee pot. You should have some. I will if the girl ever makes her way over here. You should look at your menu. Heaven knows when we'd see her a second time. Shouldn't we wait for Mr. Justice? Oh, yeah. About that. What is it? He's not coming. What? He's standing us up, or blowing us off. I'm not sure exactly what the correct term is. It isn't something that happens to me all that often. How do you know? Well, I suspected as much when he suggested meeting for breakfast. Jack doesn't really do 7 o'clock unless he gets to it by the long, slow, sleepless night route. But he called me last night, and he's going out on his own. Where? Around. I think you were cramping his style, such as it is, in as much as the same way he was cramping our style, to the point that I was not even certain that we had a style to begin with. <laughs> Darn it, Trixie, this is serious. Sheriff Ted, I am nearly always serious. And now you've got it in your adorable little head that Jack might go off on his own and do something that you don't agree with, like be the sole arbiter of what's right for the Jensen girl. And you might. But if there's one thing that you can count on old square jaw to do, it's the right thing. But Trixie... We could look for him, Sheriff. We could spend all day doing it, but I don't see how we're doing anybody any good that way. Two beats pounded is better than one. Well, maybe three beats is better than two? You're mad at Jack, Sheriff Ted. Don't take it out on me. Or at least, don't do it like that. Trixie. Besides, some of the neighborhoods we're going to are a little rough. You wouldn't send me in all alone, would you? Well, uh, I suppose. You aren't afraid of any neighborhood anywhere. No, I'm not. You're still too much of a gentleman not to come with. It'll be fun. Might I remind you that we are on business? Mm, sure, but we can take breaks. You're sure Mr. Justice is all right? Trust me. Jack likes to foot it around, look for clues, pretend to be a detective, all in the belief that if he shows this picture long enough, he'll get blind, stinking lucky, and someone will say, Hey, I know that girl. What did you say? I'm sorry to keep you waiting. What can I get you? Did you say that you know this girl? Sure. Well, it looks like her. She's been in a few times. I think her name is Penny. Uh, Peggy. I'm pretty sure that it's Penny. Is she in some kind of trouble? I do want to continue this conversation, but before I forget, I'm going to have the waffles and my friend here need some coffee. There is nothing as deeply and wholly unsatisfying as walking the streets searching for a missing person on a beautiful sunny day. It's pleasant enough. People are predisposed to smile and not think ill of a shabby-looking man searching for a fresh-faced young lady in the big bad city. Even the city itself seems neither big nor bad, even though we both know different. But the sunshine and the smiles robbed you of a certain urgency, of immediacy, of that certain je ne sais quoi that a private detective wears like a crown of thorns. 
You become just another guy with a boring job. I walked in circles. I showed the picture Barnett had given me to waitresses, cabbies, doormen, desk clerks, beat cops, bums, nuns, and random passers-by. They all smiled at me. They all said they couldn't recall ever seeing Peggy Jensen, and that she seemed like a very pretty girl, and they wished me the very best of luck. Sunny days were the worst. I wondered what kind of luck Trixie and the sheriff were having, and if any of it involved finding Peggy Jensen. It hadn't been easy to persuade Stella, our waitress, to play show-and-tell where her occasional customer, Penny, might be found, and we were obliged to wait out the breakfast rush until she had a quiet minute or two. Sheriff Ted held on with a breathless intensity that, while it remained extremely attractive, made conversation awkward and playful banter impossible, even for me. Mostly, he nursed his coffee and used his fork to desiccate and push around bits of the pie that I had persuaded him to order, almost never taking his eyes off Stella, as though he was afraid she might slip out the back door. She didn't, though she looked like she'd like to. When she finally found a quiet moment, it became clear why. She didn't say as much, but she assumed we must be Penny's family, and she didn't exactly want to say what little she knew about the girl in the picture. I will spare you the ten minutes of talking around and euphemisms that we got, and will simply explain that Penny was one of a number of girls who came in from time to time after their work for the day was done. Work that took place in a certain house at the end of the street. It took Sheriff Ted less time than I expected to catch Stella's drift, which meant either this was a possibility that he was aware of, or just maybe they had prostitution in Sweetwater too, which I found difficult to credit. Sheriff Ted marched down the street with yours truly, scampering alongside him like his kid brother trying to keep up. I had no idea what his plan was, but this was going to take some delicacy. The house at the end of the street was well known, but untouched by the law. There was a reason for this, and its name was Corsetti. The Corsetti mob ran prostitution in this part of town, and just about anything else you'd care to name. Nobody touched him because everyone was big on the idea of living which made it awkward to drag one of his lesser minions out of a den of iniquity and send her home to Mama. Awkward, but not impossible if done both quietly and anonymously. If I'd had Jack with me, I'd have sent him in alone, which would have attracted the least attention. He could ask if Penny was available, and if not, when she would be back and come across as a customer. But Sheriff Ted did not look like he was inclined to play it cool, and I thought it best to follow in case he did something stupid. Oh, my prophetic soul. Where's Peggy Jensen? What? Peggy Jensen. Where is she? I don't care for your tone. Mike, show our guest the door. I don't think so. <clears throat> Mike! Hey! What do you think you're doing? Yeah, I was going to ask that. You know what kind of trouble you're in, Mac? Less than you. Okay, put the piece away. Hands where I can see them. Do you know whose place this is? Where I can see them or I blow your head off and find Peggy Jensen myself. Okay, don't get excited. There's probably a lot more guns in this place. Be ready. The bread is a nice piece. Glad to see it finally made an entrance. Yeah, sorry, quick draw. It was in my purse. And I thought I'd left the stupid one behind. And no more names for the next little while, okay? This is bad. This is very, very bad. You should listen to your friend. This is Mr. Corsetti's place, and nobody steals from Mr. Corsetti. I have no interest in Mr. Corsetti or any of his money. I don't understand. That's because you are not listening. I want Peggy Jensen. 
Is he serious? Does he look serious? Peggy Jensen, now! We don't got a Peggy! We got a Penny! I don't know from last names! Get her! Sure thing! Penny, sweetheart, you wanna get down here a minute? Okay. What are you, the father, the brother? What is this? Just button your lip and this'll all be over soon. Can you watch him? Just be quick. This could get interesting in a hurry. Joey? What's going on down here? I can't quite recall what Emily Post said on the subject, and I feel certain that Sheriff Ted was in more or less the same position. What exactly does one do when one has stuck up a brothel, flattened a bouncer, and thrust a gun in the head panderer's face, all in the aid of rescuing a young lady who was not even remotely the person you were looking for? It was easy to see why Stella the waitress might have been confused. Uh, the girl at the top of the stairs was pretty, she was young, and she looked as if she might have been a corn-fed ingenue herself not long ago. But she was also not Peggy Jensen. Sheriff Ted was frozen to the floor, as if uncertain if he should rescue this one while he was here. But with a little deeply panicked prompting from yours truly, he apologized to the girl and to the oily little man at the desk, and we backed out quickly and quietly with our tails between our legs. I half expected to be pursued before we could hail a taxi cab, but I suspect we had successfully bewildered our opponents, and they let us peel away. I didn't spot a tail, but we changed cabs a couple of times anyway. Neither of us spoke until we were in the third taxi, and then we started laughing and couldn't stop. We were both slightly embarrassed, a little awkward, and full of adrenaline. All we needed now was a couple of cocktails and some low music. And I gave the cabbie some directions that caused Sheriff Ted to raise both eyebrows. And the rest? Well, it's really none of your business. Mind if I sit down? What? Oh, no. I don't mind. I, I don't... I don't think the bus leaves for a while. Uh, yeah, half an hour I checked. Sorry to crowd you. I always feel better on a long bus ride if I can see out the front window. Don't you? Um, yes, I suppose. Yeah. You traveling far? I'm sorry, what? Are you traveling far? The bus goes to Flagstaff. Uh, makes a lot of stops along the way. I'm going as far as it goes. Gosh. Long ride. Yes. Are you visiting? Flagstaff, that is. You don't look like you're from around here. No, I'm not. I'm... No, I'm going to stay. Why? What's in Flagstaff? I... I don't think I feel like talking. Okay. Is that because you don't know what's in Flagstaff? I think I might change my seat. Moving because something's bothering you? Is that why you're going to Flagstaff? I'm going to Flagstaff because I hate it here. You won't like Flagstaff any better. How do you know? Because you know exactly where you want to be, and it isn't Flagstaff, and it isn't here. What makes you say that? Maybe I lived it. What? I grew up in a little town at the corner of nowhere in particular and nowhere at all. The kind of place you spend years dreaming about leaving and the rest of your life trying to get back to. Except it isn't there anymore. Not really. It's changed too much, or you've changed too much. People are gone, and things aren't the same. That's okay. Most people who grow up in a kind of place like that leave someday. Bigger and better things. Back for Christmases, long letters from home. Some people stay... Most folks leave when they're ready. That's the way it's supposed to be. 
How did you know you were ready to leave? I didn't. I wasn't. It was a big family, and I guess I was tired of getting lost in the crowd or something. Seemed real important right then, but I guess I didn't have a lot to compare it to. Some things were said that couldn't be unsaid, and sometimes to a young man, pride is more important than good thinking. And that was it. All of a sudden, I was on my own and free to be anywhere in the world, except the one place I wanted to be, even if I couldn't admit it. So what happened? Life happened. I made some mistakes, and then I made some more. Learned to drink, learned to shoot. Took more than a few cracks across the back of the head before I learned to duck. Then the war came, and I learned a few more things I'd rather not have known. But that would have happened to me either way, I guess. Did you ever go home? Well, it's a funny thing. By the time I started to feel like maybe I could or should, well, it wasn't really there anymore. Not really. But that didn't change much. It was still where I wanted to be, and I was still free to be anywhere else. But not there. Do you still feel like that? Nope. Met a girl. She's my home now. That's nice. When did that happen? A couple of months ago, really. I'd known her for longer than that, of course, but the home thing, that's pretty new. So there was a pretty serious gap there. Yeah. Do, do you ever wish things had been different? Not now. But pretty much every day before a couple of months ago, yeah. I don't know. I don't think anyone even misses me. I bet you know that isn't true. Well, I couldn't just go back. Just walk in the door and say, here I am. It'd be hard. Almost as hard as getting to Flagstaff and deciding that you hate it there, too. You're running out of continent at that point, and I don't think you'd like the ocean. Not long term, anyway. Well, I don't have a lot of choices. That's how I felt. But Sheriff Ted Barnett didn't drive down from Sweetwater to find me and offer me a lift home, no questions asked. What did you say? My name is Jack Justice. I'm a private detective. And everything else I've just told you is true. And I've never told it to another soul, except the girl I mentioned, and some of it not even to her. So if you repeat it, I'll probably have to shoot you. How did you find me? Got lucky. It's my bit. Ran into a nice library and figured maybe you had too. Girl without a lot of money in the big city, maybe Peggy Jensen frequents the place. And you had. And you talk to folks. And librarians tend to like me. Most of them have secret fantasies about becoming naughty librarians and have me pegged to help them with that. And that's probably more than you needed to know. I think maybe it is. Still want to go to Flagstaff, or do you want to talk to the sheriff? I could talk to him, I guess. Mind my asking where you got money for this bus ticket? I took it. From a place where I was working. The man there thought he was buying a range of services I was not prepared to provide. <laughs> well, let's go trade that ticket in and I'll see that it gets returned. Wherever you go, you don't need that following you. What makes you sure he will agree? He will. I am not a very nice man. I think you might be wrong about that. There are a handful of folks who are similarly misinformed, and I'm proud to have you in their company. Let's go before we accidentally leave for Arizona. And that was that. Sheriff Barnett left with Peggy the next day. He shook my hand and said that I'd make a fine small-town sheriff if I ever had a mind to change careers. I took that as a compliment. I get the decided impression that Trixie would be more than willing to make the trade. No shock there. 
It wasn't the worst idea I'd ever heard. As long as they had a hospital with an opening for a beautiful and very married nurse. After all, home is where the heart is. Blackjack Justice, episode 55, Home Fires, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons with additional voices supplied by Ryan Saro, Clarissa Dunnerlanden, and Caitlin McGee. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. There are many things that we can all do that may help stop the spread of the coronavirus. But one thing we can all do is to have a plan in case you do get sick. First, consult with your health care provider for more information about monitoring your health for symptoms suggestive of COVID-19. Second, stay in touch with others by phone or email. You may need to ask for help from friends, family, neighbors, community health workers, or more if you become sick. And finally, determine who can care for you if your caregiver gets sick. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone.